Is that the best compared to others? Probably not. Is that your very best? No, because what's going to happen is the next day, you're going to layer on new resources, layer on new tools, layer on new knowledge, and now you can go 1% further. So an entrepreneur has to have that mindset of, I'm going to show up and be my very best today, and tomorrow I'm going to show up and be a little bit better than I was yesterday. And one of the biggest lessons for me was Reed Hoffman, who, who, was a, um, who was the CEO of LinkedIn. He said one time that if you're not embarrassed by your first product, you launched too late. It's time to reinvent. Welcome to Reinventing Perspectives. Today, I have a special treat. I promised you this season, I am bringing you the fire. And today, I have Coach Reed here to help us get our minds right. Because if our mind is right, execution is just going to be seamless. So, Coach Reed, thank you for being with us. And I'm so excited to have you here. Please, Coach, tell us who is Coach Reed and what are you about? I'm Coach Reed. And the reason I have that name is I was a coach for over three decades. Started when I was 16, primarily in soccer. I have two master's degrees, one in early childhood education and one in sport behavior and performance. And those have helped guide my journey to the point where in 2015, I gave a TEDx on the power of a coach's words and how it impacts the lives of our athletes beyond the game itself. And from there, I became a consultant to sports organizations, national governing bodies, all the way down through to just high schools and teams, helping educators and coaches create a better environment for athletes to each reach their own personal excellence and then chase it every day. And it centers around those three key areas of learning language and leadership. How are we setting up the learning environment? How are we using language with our athletes? And then how are we leading them so that they can find their own excellence? In recent years, with my book coming out, I've moved back over into the uh, business and entrepreneur space, helping entrepreneurs and teams understand how to capture peak performance from that perspective. When new entrepreneurs, especially when you're trying to build a team, building team, especially in this environment, posts and everything, even organizations are struggling with how do you get people to have that team mentality and even more if you're an entrepreneur. So I'm so excited to talk about that. Let's start here, Coach. What is the Spartan Mindset? Well, the book is titled The Spartan Mindset. It's titled that because the two stories that sort of give the best example of what it is to have this unrivaled, indomitable spirit as an athlete or entrepreneur or as a performer, the two stories that bookended are about the Spartans. And so we framed it in that. But the idea behind the Spartan Mindset is that you've got this mindset that you understand that the journey is full of ups and downs, that failure is part of the journey. It's not a fatal stop. That failure is a guiding post. It helps you learn to move on. So you either know you're going the right direction or you maybe need to to change tack. It's about resilience. It's about focus and discipline. Spartan mindset has to do with creativity. Sometimes you have to overcome obstacles through creativity. Sometimes you have to re-innovate. Sometimes you have to just, if you read Jocko Willink's work or David Goggins' work, they talk about embracing the suck. Sometimes resilience is being stuck in these moments that just really are very uncomfortable. But we know by having that comfortability with being uncomfortable, we can get to the other side and adapt and become stronger. And so that's the Spartan mindset for me is all about developing those skills. Because like you said, the outcomes, the physical part, the, the actual work itself, there needs to be a brain-body connection. When you're an entrepreneur and you're building a team, you're looking for the people with the very best skills that lend to your particular business. But you also have to think about those skills will only be as good as their brains allow them to function as the environment that they're in, that language that we're using allows them. And so we have to understand that brain-body connection. That's capturing the Spartan mindset. Coach, you know, for some of us who never played sport at all, and we never got to sort of develop those, the things that come with growing up playing sport, being on a team, 
team and learning how to work as a team and learning how to push through when you lose a game and things like that. We're more so focused on academic academics in the way sort of drives you to want the A, want the A. That mindset, now you need to switch over to being an entrepreneur. You need to switch over to a person who can be resilient and who can embrace the suck, someone who can know that failure is part of life. How do we go about that? So I'm a nerd at heart in the academic world. I was the straight A student and I had panic attacks when I thought I was going to be late on turning the subject in or wanting the perfect score. Actually, in my second master's degree, I was such a nerd that in one particular class, it was points-based. And I got halfway through the semester and realized that I hadn't missed a single point yet. It became my goal in that class to not miss a single point. I wanted to get a perfect A, no points missed in that class. I was very A-driven as well. And so it was real easy for me to step between the two worlds and sort of understand how they function. And one of the big differences when you're in sports you know that there are opportunities to fail. A lot of athletes are okay with it and they embrace it because they see those opportunities to fail as learning opportunities. The idea of chasing perfection is futile. You're just never going to chase perfection, which is why we switch the language around with our athletes. We don't really even talk about peak performance. We talk about excellence because excellence is something that's very personal. It's something you can chase every day. It's something that's defined based on your standards and it can change. The goal line can change. So if the A is the goal, that's the goal line. You know, if you have to get 1,500 points in a class for a semester, then you know exactly what you need to do. But in entrepreneurship and sports, the goal line is constantly moving. So you can't think about a point value or a time or anything. So you have to think about that excellence. And that excellence comes down to you with the resources, the tools, the knowledge, and the support that you currently have in that moment, giving your very best and creating the very best outcome possible with all of those things. Is that the best compared to others? Probably not. Is that your very best? No, because what's going to happen is the next day, you're going to layer on new resources, layer on new tools, layer on new knowledge, and now you can go 1% further. So an entrepreneur has to have that mindset of, I'm going to show up and be my very best today. And tomorrow, I'm going to show up and be a little bit better than I was yesterday. And one of the biggest lessons for me to cross between the two worlds was Reed Hoffman, who is the CEO of LinkedIn. He said one time that if you're not embarrassed by your first product, you launched too late. And that really stuck with me because what he was saying was everybody wants to create the perfect product. Everybody wants to create the perfect value for their customers or to create the perfect thing before they give it to the world. They want to be an artist. Entrepreneurs want that. The problem is, is you've got to get it out to the world and reiterate. You've got to learn to put your work out there, pivot, change, reiterate, because you're never going to know where your work stacks up until it's in the world and you're getting feedback from your customers and feedback from other people that you can start to make those changes so that it fits what the world needs in front of you. You just don't know until you have feedback, until you have those beta tests. I can't do it like this. Let me just keep researching. That's not the perfect words. I gotta find the perfect words. So let me just keep, you know, twiddling, twiddling, fixing, fixing. And you're so right. You've just got to put your things in the marketplace. Kelly Roach uses the word business athletes. Yes. A perfect term for our conversation today. Entrepreneurship is filled with setbacks. The most difficult thing is how do you create the mindset for a comeback? When you were talking about business athletes, I was thinking there's a famous video, and there are others too, but there's a famous one of a skateboarder who was trying to get a particular skill. And he was working on a sewer pipe in a runoff, one of those concrete runoff areas of a city. And he kept going up over the pipe and he was trying to do a move and catch the board on the other side one-footed and he kept falling. So long story short, 40-some tries and he's killing himself. He's popping up and there's blood and you know, and you can see the pain and he, he looks at the camera after everyone and there was never a moment of doubt. Every time he fell, he'd get up and look at the camera and go, next time, next time. And then by the end, you can see the wheels turning and he'd get done and he'd look at the camera and he'd go, it's almost there. I can feel it. It's almost there. And he does one more. He falls. And then mid-fall, you can see his face change. And he gets up and he goes, I've got it. I've solved it. I know it. It's right here. I've got it. He gets it on the next one. 40-some tries until he finally gets it. And that's that entrepreneurship. That's that, that athlete is knowing that you're not going to get it on the first try. It's knowing that that's the point is you're going to show up and continue to push through and you continue to do things. And that failure is not fatal. So many entrepreneurs have come back from what they thought were major setbacks 
they reiterated, they pivoted, they pushed through it, they got to the other side. The key is understanding that just like an athlete who's getting up and training every day and showing that discipline and being self-aware and being willing to take feedback and being able to step back and analyze what happened and debrief on it so you can change it moving forward, that's great entrepreneurship. Entrepreneurs are athletes because you have to have that same discipline. You've got to have that same approach to trying new things, to being uncomfortable, to getting out of the comfort zone, to taking a step back and saying, that's not working. What in this equation is causing it not to work? What little tweak can I make? And that's what athletes are doing. They're constantly reiterating until they get it and they're constantly evaluating themselves. So great entrepreneurs are doing that. It's what dashboards are built for when we have our metrics and our KPIs about our businesses. We're getting that same type of feedback about what is and isn't working in our business and we're willing to change those. And we're also going to understand just like that athlete, sometimes I'm going to fall down and I'm going to skin my face. If this is the passion and this is what I've chosen to do for a living, I'm going to expect to fall down and skin my face. The key is to get up and say, okay, why did I skin my face? What can I do differently so that doesn't happen again? When I started out on this journey, every time something didn't work, it totally crushed me totally crushed me until I realized I actually need to look at why it isn't working. I don't need to just stop reacting to, oh my gosh, it's not working. Okay, well, why isn't it working? And, you know, it becomes so interesting when you begin to understand things and understand why something isn't working and how something can work. I love that you said that, Coach. Do you mind if I add one more thing? You saying that makes me think about that. The other thing as an athlete is you expect there's going to be a critic in the stands. You expect an opponent. You expect that somebody's going to be yelling, you're a bum or whatever. Just like in the movie with Kevin Costner for Love of the Game, there's a guy screaming, you're a bum, you're a bum. And he's like, quiet the mechanism. Like, let's drown that guy out. And so you saying that as an entrepreneur, that's the other piece is that you know they're going to be critics. So even if something does work, there's going to be that one or two people or even 20 to 100 people who say, this is awful. I hate this or this, or I don't like your product. And you've got to be willing as an entrepreneur to say, that's okay. Look at the positive. How many thousands Thousands of people like my product. Now, the key is instead of basing your success on all the people who do love your product is finding out what about your product the others don't like because those are the missed ones. That's that survivorship bias. A lot of us measure our results on the wins, but we never look at the losses and say, okay, what about those people who left my company, who left my product? What didn't they like? Can I reiterate so that I can gain some of their trust back too? That's good entrepreneurship. This is just so rich on so many levels and I hope people really catch all these aspects and realize, wow, this is really a mindset shift. And if you can make this shift, things are just going to start crushing you each and every way because you realize that this is how the game, to speak of being an athlete, this is how the game has to be. Just a quick ask. If you're finding this information helpful, please share it with someone that you know would love this conversation and would find this information beneficial. Thank you again for listening in. And let's jump back into our conversation. Now, Coach, I'd really love if you can go into the book a little bit for us. Give us a teaser. The book's full title is called The Spartan Mindset, Mastering the Language of Excellence. And I actually have a copy here. Let me get that up in front of the camera so you can see it. Really, the basis for the book is the language that we use in those high-stress, high-performance situations. So in a classroom, on a sports field, on the trading floor, in your business, in day-to-day life, when we're in those positions where we're called upon to compete at our very best, stress may run high, there are outcomes on the line, what language are we using in those moments that either helps or harms our performance? It was from 30 years of research that I'd done just out in the world, plus the two master's degrees, and then working with other mentors and listening to other people. There were certain words that I started to notice that popped up in performance situations, and they had an impact on that person's performance. Because there's a massive brain-body connection that we tend to ignore, especially in sports. We think, oh, I can train the skills in these athletes, and if I just train, 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 and create robots out of them, they'll perform at peak. But we know, watching the Olympics, watching the World Cup, watching these elite levels, that the difference between first and third could be a split second, and it really comes down to those few inches between the ears where the difference is made. And we've seen some really 
really famous, sadly, chokes in the sports world where we've had amazing athletes on the stage and they have these meltdown points where they spiral out of control. And even the announcers are totally befuddled. Like, this is one of the greatest athletes in the world. What's happening to him or her? That's where the language comes in. That's where the brain comes in. And so the book is broken into three sections. They're para words. These are these words that negatively impact our performance. And when used in these high stress situations, they actually can harm how well we perform. And so we talk about how to change those, reframe them, rewire, and then replay those as different words that help us. There are power words. These are the words that are when are used in certain situations, they completely help peak performance. These are words that actually assist us and get our bodies ready to perform at peak based on cognitive structures. And then there are those what I call transformational words. And those transformational words are those words that when you use them, they don't just create a positive outcome, they transform the people and the moment involved in that particular situation. I can give you a couple examples. So from a negative word, from a parallel word perspective, one of the big ones is can't. A lot of times you'll hear people say, oh, I can't do that. Oh, I can't. I'm not a good at math or I can't. I'm not a coder. I can't start this company. And can't is a stop word. It's a fatal word. It cancels out any thought of a future. You can't visualize anything beyond the word can't. You don't have any basis for what you would put your goals on. It tends to give your brain and your body an excuse just to stop, just to not perform, to underperform. And so we always talk about, you know, the Carol Dweck, the power of yet. You switch can't to a yet. You reframe it to a different word. One of the big words is, from a power perspective, will. No, you will do this. And the key is to back up your language with tools and resources. So you can't just say, oh, I'm going to switch my words. I'm no longer use can't. I'm going to say yet. I can't yet. Great. Now what you have to say is I'm going to go find the resources. I'm going to find the right people. I'm going to find the right tools. I'm going to learn to do this. And that way I turn a can't into a yet because I'm backing it with action. I've got to take progress to the next level. Scott Birkin says that all progress hinges on the space between those who talk in private and act in public. So the key with our language was switching the words in the book. And I talk a lot about that is putting action behind those words. Each chapter starts with a story using that word in context so we can see it, how it actually has impacted somebody's performance along the way. Some of the stories are very personal, so I get very vulnerable about my own life. Some of them are very public. We've seen these people and we say, oh yeah, I remember JFK's famous speech about putting a person on the moon where he used the word will like 37 times in the speech to reiterate it, this will happen. And then I talk about the science behind it. Like here's the impact it's having on our brain. Here's the connection between brain and body. Here's why it matters so much. This language is so vital because the brain does fire the neurons that create skill. That's where skill is, is in the brain, the more effective firing of neurons and at the synapsis level. And then of course, that actually innervates muscles in our body. So it actually prepares our body and our heart and everything for performance when our brain is primed properly with these words. And then I end each chapter with tips and hints about how do we switch over to a different word or how do we enhance this word in our performance? I love it already. I can't yet, I will. What am I going to do about this? Can't in our house became an acronym, challenge accepted, no take backs. So if somebody says, I can't, there's a challenge accepted, no take backs. And obviously my kids are much older, so I don't hear it as much, but they've used it against me in the past before saying, oh, challenge accepted, no take backs, dad. You said you can't, but no, no, we're going to do it now. My son got me back into lifting and that's really how he did it is I said, oh, I can't, my back, I'm almost 50. And he said, oh, challenge accepted, no take backs, dad. He's <laughs> like, dad, you will. And I, I repeat you will. that you will. <laughs> and I'll spot you. I'm right here the whole time. <laughs> Oh, that's fantastic. I, I love it. I can tell that it's a culture and a team way of doing things. The, an entrepreneur that's listening and thinking to themselves, what language can I use every day with myself sort of to encourage myself in this journey of entrepreneurship? And how can I begin to work on my mindset? Yes, I'm a huge believer in the idea of affirmation and how we speak to ourselves becomes a reality that we begin to create for the world around us. Not manifesting as I think things and they happen. It's I think certain ways. So then I begin to act certain ways. 
and I create my outcomes based on the fact that I've created this positive mindset. And so one of the biggest things we can do as an entrepreneur is we've got to create an actual real visual image of what we want. We can no longer just say, oh, I dream of this or I'd like this. It'd be great if I had this if. No, we have to create that vision. This is what my business is going to look like in five years. These are the steps I need to take along the way. These are the big, hairy, audacious goals I have for my business. And these are the resources and tools that I need to layer in to get those. And then every day I'm reminding myself of those. This is my goal. This is my purpose. This is my mission. And here's what today I can do to take positive steps towards it. Another one is I'm a big fan of the language journaling. It's not just journaling. You don't have to journal your day like, today I had coffee and then I had a... <laughs> it's more like thinking about the words that you use, especially in high pressure situations and what words tend to come up more often. If you're very self-aware, if you're willing to dig into your dashboard of your company and know down to the minute piece of data, how your company's performing, you should be willing to do the same with yourself. You have to be self-aware. As a leader, as a communicator with those around me, as a performer, what language am I using in those certain instances that affect my performance? Write them down at the end of the day. And what you'll start to do is you'll start to notice certain words pop up more often than others. And then you need to figure out, are those positive words or are those negative words? And can I switch those? If it's a negative word, what can I replace that word with? So I identify the word, I acknowledge the word. So I've taken its power away if it's a negative word, because now I see it's just a word on a piece of paper. Now I need to switch it. I need to reframe that word into something else. And then I need to actively, intentionally notice my language every day. The beauty is I've had so many friends that have read advanced copies of the book who said, I became so much more intentional with my language. I started to think about the words I used after I read your book because I'd never thought about how important words were. And so we will naturally do it. It's the Bader-Meinhof effect. You know, when I first bought my Jeep, I didn't see that many on the road. The moment I bought my Jeep, I saw them everywhere because my brain started noticing they'd always been there, but now I was keyed into them. Same thing with language. If you are intentional as an entrepreneur on your language, you'll begin to notice those words more often. And then the final piece is I always have accountability partners. Put in your circle the people who are going to help you grow and develop to the next level. If your circle isn't challenging you to be the very best person you can be, you don't have a circle, you have a cage. They're holding you back, they're caging you in, they're keeping you from your ultimate success. But those people in those circle, they need to be empowered to and you need to be willing to receive the feedback from them. Because sometimes we need one person that we trust very deeply, that we know has our greatest interest at heart to say to us, that language is not serving you, Reed. Is that the right word that you want to use in this moment? Is that the right way you want to think about this problem? Because it's not serving you. If you have those people around you and you're telling them, these are the words I want to eliminate from my vocabulary, or this is my goal. And anytime I say, I can't do that, I need you to step on me and say, oh, no, no, no. Challenge accepted, no take backs. What resources do you need to solve this problem today? And what it does is it shifts you from a problem focused mentality to, because in business, problems pop up all day long. It shifts you from problem focused to problem aware, solution focused. That's the key that we need. We need to recognize problems, but we need to solve them. I think it's by Henry Ford. I might be wrong. If you think you can, if you think you can't, either way, you're right. I never really thought about those words, but when you spoke about the power of words, whatever you say is true. So how powerful words are. Yeah. And you're going to make it true, right? Because that's what you've decided. Yeah. It's really a retooling, I think. For our audience, which is a faith-based audience read, we often speak about faith comes by hearing. And of course, hearing is about words. Spartan mindsets. People often think about discipline and people might think of or associated with things like stoic mindset and things like that. Now, how do we balance that discipline mindset with sort of the innovation and the creativity needed for business? The Spartan mindset does evoke that sort of stoic, unchanged, unbothered by situations like just a stone-faced warrior who just seems unaffected by anything that happens to him. But honestly, especially coming from me, I'm a very emotional person. I wear my emotions on my sleeve. Typically, I can walk into a room and everybody knows exactly 
how I feel. And that is actually a gift in the Spartan mindset because one of the pieces of the puzzle, especially as an entrepreneur, is knowing that the Spartan mindset will require you to be emotional. The key is not allowing your emotions to control you, not allowing your emotions to define you. The key is, is understanding and naming and accepting that you're having these emotions, but deciding on how best to respond to those emotions for the greatest outcome. So I always tell, like when I would talk to kids, there's a river of emotions flowing by you and you're standing on the shore watching them. These are your emotions and they flow by constantly. They're constantly there. And the problem is, is when sometimes in certain high pressure situations, those emotions can cause the river to really swell and it's pulling everything along the side of the shore in with it. We typically want to jump in with that emotion and we get caught up and we get pulled downstream and drown in the emotion. Key is, is to stand and watch the emotion go by and say, I'm angry in this moment. And then you have to detach yourself and say, it's just an emotion. It doesn't define me. It's not who I am. And it's not a final decision. What can I do to respond to this situation? What is causing this anger? And how can I positively respond so I get a positive outcome? That's where emotion plays a big key. The other piece is, like you said, is that creativity. And again, I don't base everything on the Spartans. We have to look at societies through the lens that we know of them. Every society has its flaws. And every society does things that we say, oh, that we're not going to repeat that mistake. Spartans certainly did a lot of things and had a lot of things in their society that we don't want in ours. But what they did capture was that creativity amongst their warriors. See, their warriors were trained so well that there was a level of being able to make decisions on their own. Independent thinking occurred, but it occurred within the framework of the team themselves. My shield wasn't there to protect me. My shield was there to protect the man to my side, my other side. I put my shield in a way that he was guarded or she was guarded and then I fought with the other hand and the person on the other side of me was guarding me. So the beauty of the Spartan mindset is understanding that we've got to be able to take care of those around us. We've got to be a part of a team. We've got to trust in others. And then the other piece is, we're independent thinkers. I need to make these choices that I know are going to affect other people around me, and I have to have the freedom and creativity to make them. To take it one step further, there's a concept called the commander's intent. And the idea was that in a military unit, in a larger military theater, everybody had a role and a task and a skill. So we couldn't tell everybody to do exactly the same thing. We need certain elements within that to fall in place for the battlefield to succeed. So the commander usually stepped back and said, what's our ultimate goal? When this battle is over, what should the battlefield look like that we can call success? And then from there, everybody was doled out their roles and told to play their part within that with the greatest commander's intent. The commander's intent was typically at the top of every page. So everybody knew what the outcome was expected to be on this battlefield, but everybody had the freedom to do the role that they were capable of doing within that. And that's the same thing within a company. If you're a great entrepreneur and you've got a team and you want creativity, give them a commander's intent. Let them know that this is what the ultimate outcome should be, but give them the flexibility, the freedom, the empowerment to do their job within the framework, knowing that they know what this commander's intent is and trust them to do it so you don't have to micromanage them. You don't have to check in on them every day. You don't have to put your hands in there. You can let go of some of those vines and allow other people to do their jobs knowing we're all on the same page. We have a shared value system. We have a shared vision and we have roles that we bring to the table that allow us to add deeper value to the overall good of the organization. That's where that creativity comes in in the Spartan mindset. Commander's intent right at the top. That's all you need to know. What are we trying to do here? Feel free to bring your excellence to get that done. Yeah. Uh, thank you so much, Coach Reed. This has been so exciting. And I think I have to listen to this again and again because <laughs> there's so much that you said in this and so much that I think the audience is going to get out of this. Please, where can people learn more about you, Coach? And I know the book is out this month, correct? 
Yes, it's actually out April 18th. April 18th. Uh, excited. Congratulations on that. We're so excited to read Thank that. You. And where can people sort of follow you easily on social media or anywhere else? If you search for Coach Reed, I typically pop up on my social media. I'm almost always Coach underscore Reed. And then my website is CoachReed.com. And you can also find the book. My last question is always, Coach, what has faith meant to you on your journey? Faith for me has meant several things. One is a belief in the people that I've surrounded myself with, a belief in my own skills, a belief in the gifts I've been given in this world, and this unwavering commitment to my mission. Every one of us on this planet has a mission. And we're given gifts, we're given strengths that we can use to create a better world. The key is, is for us to chase those and honor those and respect those. This is my mission and I won't waver from it. Echoes Beyond the Game, it was developing leaders who transform lives, and it still is. And so no matter what I do, I always think about the fact, am I helping people show up better because they're helping the next generation or helping the people they lead? Then I'm on mission. I'm on mission if I'm showing up and helping people find their personal excellence. The other side is having belief that if we are applying ourselves to our very best, we are using the skills and resources around us, we are showing up every day at our very best, and we're doing what's right. We're following an ethics within our lives. We adhere to a certain value system that there there may be difficult times, and we know that, but we have this hope that because we're doing what we're doing out of pure love, we're doing what we're doing following a value system, and we're putting it behind it proper action, that things will come out in our favor. Even in the most difficult times, things will work out if we continue to put that work in. We should never stray from our values. If we have strong values, do not compromise them, because even though it seems today, and I've been here in my business, there have been times where my values have been challenged. There have been times where I was basically ultimatum to either change my values or fail. And I chose failure over the change in the values because my values meant so much more because I knew if I stuck to what I believed in, if I stuck to what I knew was right and I stuck to my mission, it would still work out and it did and it will. But it didn't just work out on its own. That's the one that always gets people is like, well, I hope, no, you've still got to put action behind it, but never compromise your values. That's faith for me. Thank you so much for that, coach. It's been an honor, a great time. We look forward to learning more, getting your book, The Spartan Mindset. Thank you, Coach Reed. Thank you. I hope you got a lot of information, a lot of actionable things out of these episodes please two huge favors from you please let us know what kind of things you'd like to hear and if you really love the episode please support us by going and leaving a review in your podcast listening app thank you for choosing to spend your time with the reinventing perspectives podcast we value you see you again next week it's time to reinvent 